people are failing, but you just, people are shaken. Things happen and people get off course and it can happen to any of us. And those that are on course and those that stay in the spirit, it's by the, it's by the grace of God. His hand is on our life and we just need to thank him. So I started thinking about this nation. I don't know President Trump. Might not ever get to meet him. But I am praying for him. <laughs> and there's a lot of crazy things going on in our own government. And he doesn't know I'm praying for him. And I know my prayers are effectual, fervent, and will avail something towards him. But I also live in a kingdom beyond this earth. I live in a kingdom beyond what I see and I visualize here this morning. And I don't have to play, pray for my king in that kingdom. He's praying for me. <laughs> and I might not ever get to know President Trump, but I can get to know the king in my kingdom. And I find the closer I get to him and the more intimate I am with him, the less shakable my life is. But where is this kingdom? Because it's not a kingdom that we see. It's not a kingdom that we observe. It's a kingdom within. And so I just want to talk a little bit this morning about the realm of the spirit. I believe with all of my heart, this could be the most powerful message I have ever preached in this church. I really can believe that. I pray everybody can hear what the spirit is saying, because if you don't hear it by the spirit, you're not going to hear it. It'll be mental absorption and it will never help you. It will have no results in your life. But if you can hear what the spirit of God has to say this morning, I'm telling you, you will see things change around you. I'm very confident in this this morning because I've already got the revelation myself and I see it working. Matter of fact, while we were doing Pray, do praise and worship, I'm just thinking, Lord, we got to get in that spirit realm. We, we got to bridge the gap between the flesh, getting started, what we see, what we hear with our natural ears, and we got to get in the spiritual realm. And I, and I felt we were going there, and Susan tapped me on the back. She said, there's angels singing in here. Do y'all hear it? There's angels singing in here. And I'm like, there ain't nobody on that stage can sing and, and sound like what I heard. I heard it by the Spirit. The same angel I talked about last week, I think he was here again. And probably a legion or bazillions of them. I don't know. I don't know how many angels there really are. But I felt the angelic activity in the spirit realm in this place today. And that angel is the angel that stood and his head was above the clouds and his face shone like the sun. And he had a rainbow over his head and the clouds covered his abdomen and his feet came from the bottom of the clouds and they were brazen and they looked like they were on fire. And he had one foot on the land and one foot on the earth and he had a little book in his hand. And the voice told John to go get the book and eat it. There's something we're going to eat this morning that's going to bring you and make you alive in an area and conscious of something that maybe you didn't know was available for you on a regular, daily basis. Have I prefaced this message pretty good? 
if, if I don't have you somewhat stirred right now, I am so stirred up. And man, the Lord has just really showed me it all starts by the Spirit. We start things in the flesh, but it starts by the Spirit. We, we trying to crank our own engines. <laughs> you know, we're doing our thing. But it's the Spirit that gives life. It's the Spirit that revives yeah. us. It's, it's the Spirit. Yeah. I'm thinking right now in Genesis, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. It started with the Spirit. And once the Spirit was hovering and ready, all of a sudden God spoke or the Word of God spoke into the wind of the Spirit and then everything was dispersed and everything started to happen. Even with the guy that was lame on the porch of Solomon, nobody would put him in the water when the waters would begin to stir. But the Spirit was stirring the waters. Before anything happened, the waters were stirring. Everything that's happened in my life, God started it. I'll say that again. Everything good in my life, the Lord started. My salvation, I did not get it on my own. I didn't have it in me to say yes to Jesus. I didn't know where Jesus was. The Spirit of God drew me to Jesus. And Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him. There's nobody can get saved on their own. You, you can't even want to get saved without the Spirit. <laughs> and so if I accepted Jesus and I'm better than you, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit. And this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. Jesus said, nobody can come to me unless except the Father who sent me draws him. And so the Father by the Holy Spirit, drew us to Jesus that we could know the Father through Jesus because he's the expressed image and likeness of the Father. They in cahoots, man. I'm telling you, they all won. <laughs> and I believe, I, man, the Lord showed me this. We are more one with the Father and the Holy Spirit than we even actually realize. The Bible says those that are one those that are joined to the Spirit are one with the Spirit. And so I've said it, and technically this is the way it is. It's His Spirit in our spirit. But this is the way the Lord sees it. We need to understand it like this. When we accepted Jesus, the nature of the Father Himself, and then we got filled with the Holy Spirit, our spirit just got lost in His Spirit. <laughs> it's not two, they're one. Our spirit got totally immersed in the Holy Ghost, yes. overtaken by the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all got to see this. We've been in Bible school now for five weeks talking about the spirit of the living God, so I can't help myself. This is what we got to. This is the climax. <laughs> talking about the anointing. You can sing and not be anointed. You can preach and not be anointed. You can pray and not be anointed. You can praise and not be anointed. You can fast and God's not even in it. 
You know what I mean? If we can do all these things, and then and when we do them, we get frustrated. You know why? It was all the flesh. Because when you do something in the spirit, you're going to be satisfied God did it through you. You're not going to ask anybody, how did I do? You're not going to worry about none of that. There won't be any worry. There won't be any concern because you just did what God told you to do. You're not even going to be worried about what people are thinking because you've done what God told you to do. You're not even, you're not even worried about what happened or what the results will be. You just did what God told you to do. And you feel so satisfied because you please God and you're not trying to please people. So anyway, in Bible school, we talked about how to, you know, how to have the anointing of the Spirit of God on your life. And I'm just going to read the things we went over. You know, the Word of God, just reading the Word of God, you can begin to, you know, get revelation and sense the anointing in praise and worship. When somebody gets saved, when I got saved, I'll never forget when I got saved. I remember in convent, Louisiana, in a convent, I went in, it was the first room to the right as you walk in this beautiful old, I don't know what it, convent is what it is. It was a nun's place that the nuns stayed. And walked in that door, went right to the right. I remember I was hungry for God. I remember the door closing behind me and just standing in this dim, dark, dingy room. And I believe with all my heart the Lord drew me to that place. He was drawing me. The Holy Spirit was drawing me to Jesus. And I remember the first time in my life. Now, I have knelt many times in my life, you know, just in the flesh. Did, did everything religiously in the flesh. But for the very first time, I went with the tug. I went with the promptings of a Lord I didn't even meet yet. I went with the Holy Spirit that I had never known, didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit in this magnitude that we know him today. Come on, as a person. And I remember just laying on the floor and crying out to God and how the Lord just came. But it was all started by him. He started it all. He's the author of all of his will and his ways. Come on. Y'all have to get this. And so if we start things on our own, we'll be very disappointed when it's over, <laughs> if the Lord wasn't in it. And so today, I just want to be more accurate. I think this is a perfect setting this morning, just a few of us, because the more people you have, the less agreement we can have. We need unity here this morning. Everybody needs to be just saying like this in their heart. And I'm telling you, God, something, something can explode on the inside of us here today. I went on to uh, name some others, you know, walking in the will of God, praying and fasting, moving in the gifts, preaching the word. Somebody just gives a testimony. Uh, you know, we can be hot wherever we go. You know what I told my Bible school? You know what y'all know? You know what we need to start doing? Just drop hot. Just wherever you go, just drop hot. You're in the realm of the spirit. You're not just doing something to do something. Just, you're just hot. You just drop hot. You're in the realm of the spirit. 
When you witness to somebody, you're in the realm of the Spirit. You know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And you were called and anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. That's what, you, that's what you're thinking the whole time, that I'm in the realm of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is into what I'm doing, and you just let it drop, and it's hot. You can't always measure everything. I believe we'll get more results. Get hot. Tell your neighbor, get hot. When two or three get together and pray, the anointing comes. Repentance. You ever, you ever hear somebody really repent? Y'all know the guy that was here that night? He just repented. I hadn't seen him again, but Lord, I asked you to touch him, bring him. The same, the same Holy Spirit that drew him here to make that confession, I thank you, Lord, you, you follow up on him. How many of y'all know? Uh, the Holy Spirit followed up on me when I got saved. <laughs> the same Holy Spirit that drew me to Jesus followed up on me and he brought people into my life to help me. Everybody say, we need the anointing. We need the anointing. So anyway, I've named those six or seven different things, but there was one that kind of goes with prayer that I'm going to add to our syllabus and I want to talk about that this morning. Before I go on, I want to tell the students and also everyone else that uh, we did the Bible school yesterday, and at 12 o'clock I ended, and uh, we had already set up three more weeks, and then we're going to finish Bible school on June 8th. And so I didn't know we covered that much material. We covered so much material on the anointing that the last two lessons are on healing. Just all healing. And so I told the students, we're going to go ahead and finish the anointing teachings, and then we're not going to do the healing teachings. And sometime this year, I just want to have a healing school. And we're just going to teach. We're going to allow people to come in, sit under the teaching. About every hour, hour and a half, we'll just pray some short prayers by faith. And we just want people to be saturated in the scriptures and have the mind that the Lord is a healer, and he wants to heal 100% of the time, and we're just going to get people healed. Well, I realize that we're out of anointing teachings, <laughs> and we're going to finish Wednesday night on the anointing, so we're going to go ahead and take the next three Saturdays and just start the healing school. And so everybody's invited. Everyone that's having has an infirmity, anyone that's sick, anyone's in pain, anybody on crutches, anybody in wheelchairs, anybody that has a terminal disease, anybody that has skin condition, anybody that has any problem in their physical body, emotional state, in any kind of way, suicidal, whatever, bring them to the healing school. So for the next three Saturdays from 9 to 12 students, you come at 8, you came early for the first time. No, I'm just kidding. If, so we're going to go from 9 to 12, maybe every hour. We'll take a few minutes. And so you listen. Who's brought someone to the hospital? Who's brought someone to the emergency room? Who's cared for people? Who went and helped people take their medicine? Do it. Do it. 
The word of God, the spirit of God will be the medicine that they need. So I'm asking you, just as you were diligent to take care of those that you love and maybe brought to the hospital or brought to a doctor's appointment, be, do your due diligence to bring them to this school that we can get them healed in the name of Jesus. And I'm believing with all of my heart, we are going to be in the realm of the spirit and so, you know, once people get healed, they, they're very curious. It's, it's only a drawing card, healing, to unbelievers. They get very curious about this one that healed them. And sometimes they want to know the one that healed them. Not all the time. That's very discouraging to know that Jesus healed some rank sinner and then they never wanted to know the healer. But... I don't understand it. I'm not trying to, but I want to do my part in this healing school. Everybody say healing school. Okay, Hebrews 12, verse 28, we see, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, that's God's supply, by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and with godly fear, for our God is a consuming God. Our God is a consuming God. What does that mean? I know one thing. He's very jealous of any relationships we have with others and items in our life if they come before him. He's a jealous God. He's, he, I remember when Sue dropped me, you know, <laughs> I remember she broke the relationship off. Oh, my God. Yeah, before we got married. She can't now. <laughs> and I remember, I remember how hurtful that was. It's like, oh, my God, I felt like nobody. We were not even married yet. <clears throat> I felt she was so distant from me. I felt so alone. I felt like I'd been betrayed. I, felt, I just felt like not living. And, of course, God doesn't go to that extent, but he's very jealous of anything or anyone that we put before him. And also, he's a, he's a consuming fire. So what that means is that he knows how to preserve and protect his children. It, he knows how to keep us in his spirit. It's with fire. And he also knows how to deal with his enemies. Fire can be a very destructive force. But this scripture is talking about an unshakable kingdom. And so if we're going to have an unshakable kingdom, we must have unshakable people <laughs> that, that are going to be stable, not become wayward. And listen, we, we don't have as many challenges here as most countries. Who wants to be unshakable? Yes. Well, there's a place that we go in the kingdom that it's unshakable. It's the realm of the spirit. And when you're in the realm of the spirit, really in the realm of the spirit, you cannot be shaken. And I want to talk about that. So this, this Benny Hinn thing kind of prompted 
me. This is the reason why I'm going to talk about the realm of the spirit. It's because I don't believe we live in the realm of the spirit often enough. I think we earn it out. And the Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Not peek in and not visit. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Even Jesus, when he came out of the water, the Bible says that the Spirit descended on him like a dove. So you see, the Spirit was there and then the voice came. If you read in the Bible, you see in so many places, the Spirit activates everything. That's how revival comes. You don't just work yourself up into a frenzy. You don't just get a good praise team and a good preacher. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit that revives us. We, we have a few people walking in the fresh anointing. They're dangerous. <laughs> They're not stuck on themselves. That's what the fresh anointing does. Where's Becky? She's in the nursery. Becky, go ahead. They're not afraid to work in the nursery with a fresh anointing. I mean, they're just joyful. They're happy. Offense doesn't fool with them. They're not concerned about themselves. Matter of fact, if they're going through something and they find somebody going through the same thing, they'll pray for them. That's right. And when they pray for them, then their situation changes. And they wasn't even thinking about themselves. They were just thinking about somebody else. I'm telling you, when you're in the realm of the spirit, you're not going to be so concerned about yourself. Because when you're in the realm of the spirit, Jesus is more real than anything you face in this world. Jesus becomes more real in the realm of the spirit than your disease and your pain, your trouble, your need, and what you're going through. Amen. All of a sudden, Jesus is everything. Jesus. And I know that sounds good to your mind, and your mind may be trying to grasp that, but if you don't get it in your spirit, you won't experience it. Because the Spirit can make Jesus more real than your problem. The Lord showed me this. You know what true joy is? Is when Jesus is more real than your problem. It's like you're happy and don't even understand why you're happy. Because Jesus is more important than anything you can see in the natural. And that's what happens when I got saved. That's what happened when I got saved. All of a sudden, Jesus became bigger than anything I could see, bigger than anything I've ever experienced, and bigger than any trouble or need I ever had in my life, the Fushamahaya. <laughs> now, where did that joy go? Paul told the Galatians, you started in the spirit. Who bewitched you? You're back in the flesh now. You're trying to do it yourself. The Bible talks about the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Anytime you, you see it all over the New Testament, in Christ, that means in the spirit. That means in the anointing. I can do all things through or in Christ who strengthens me. It's the anointing. It's the spirit. You don't strengthen yourself. We can't. 
It's impossible. At best, we could be good people. <laughs> At best, we could keep our heads above water in the natural. But it's in the spirit. It's in the spirit realm. The Bible says if we walk in the spirit, it's profitable. And there's peace. There's no profit in the flesh. None. It's, it's our attempts to please God. The Bible even talks about it's him working in us. God, has, he, he should get so much credit. We, we making all these attempts and we saying what we're doing and God cranked it all up. People, somebody asked me not long ago, who called you to pastor? God. I mean, I didn't call myself. I didn't call myself to this. <laughs> I mean, because I, I went to school. I went to this Bible school. And I went to that. No, that right there. You know, I've, I don't know how many times I've prayed this prayer. If my people call by my name, humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I forgive them of their sins, and I'll heal their land. I prayed it, but I got a revelation of it now. <laughs> you understand? It could just be a, a prayer that we, we pray in. I'm, I'm, part of, I'm his people. He humbles me. In his presence, it just, I mean, who are, who are we in the presence of the Lord? Who, who I mean, <laughs> I mean, when God shows up, who are we? So you're just humble naturally. It's, it's almost like automatic if you're in the spirit realm. And to pray, I, I tell you, this is something I really struggled with all of my life. Prayer people. They make it sound so hard to pray. And nobody's liked the way I pray. Nobody has ever liked the way I pray. I've even been accused of not praying because I don't do it the way everybody else does it. Because if you don't moan and groan and holler and beg and do all this kind of stuff, you're not praying. I live a lifestyle of just fellowshipping with the Lord. That's just what I do. I'm just in the spirit realm. And I told my whole Bible school the other day, I said, you know what we need to do? We need to speak more in the heavenly language than we do in the natural English language. How about some of that? Because we just boo, 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 all day long, all day long. And even if it's a scripture, we may be saying it, not believe it. It's best to just go ahead and pray in the spirit as much as you pray in the natural. That's easy to do. I think I accomplish that just about every day. Shakalata manande. But you know, you can play, pray in the spirit, maybe in the flesh and no results at all. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I know it. Y'all getting quiet. And so I just have this thing about prayer. You know, all prayer is not powerful. Muslims pray five times a day. Christians don't do that. But where is that going? They're praying to the wrong God. They're praying to a God that not, he's not even alive. Hindus pray. Hindus pray, but there's no power in it. Buddhists pray, but there's no power in it. And a lot of religious people pray, but there's no power in it. 
I heard this story about a preacher. He was in a church, and he got a word of knowledge. And he saw a lady, called the lady out, stood up. And he said, ma'am, you have cancer. She said, no, I don't. He said, the Lord told me you have cancer. She said, no, I don't. And he said again, ma'am, the Lord told me you have cancer. She said, no, I don't. And the man heard from God. So somebody's lying. And he kept, and this went on. I mean, this got everybody's attention in this pretty big service, calling this lady out. And she kept insisting that she didn't have cancer. And he kept with it. He kept what, I'm telling you, when you hear from the Lord, there's nothing can tell you any different. And he really heard from the Lord. And he kept telling that lady, I will quit the ministry if I miss this. You have cancer. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're speaking negative. No, he was speaking the truth. She was lying. Because some faith teacher told her, don't confess it. And so she was under this thing of, I can't confess it. Listen, faith does not ever deny facts. Never. Never. You fooling yourself. If you got faith, all the facts can be staring you in the faith. And matter of fact, when Jesus went to the blind man, he said, what do you want? And you know what the blind man said? I'm not supposed to confess it. That's what he said. I'm not supposed to say it. He said, I'm blind. <laughs> so faith never denies the fact. Faith just trusts in Jesus for the healing. And so I'm telling you, flesh acts have hurt people. Flesh acts have hurt a lot of people. Just flesh acts. And then putting a religious connotation on top of it. God said, I'm telling you, when you say God said, you better believe he said it. Or you're going to deal with the God you said said something and he never said it. <laughs> And I've done it, okay? I, I mean, I got in my closet this morning. God, you know I probably messed up more than anybody in this church because I talk more than anybody else in this church. <laughs> and I said, I repent, forgive me if I missed it somewhere. Please, Lord, don't hold this against me. And he confers back to me, I will remember your sin no more. <laughs> it's under the blood of my son. And you know what? You can repent in the flesh. And never see the results of your repentance. You can repent in the flesh. You're just sorry you got caught. You're just sorry for the situation that you created. You're just sorry for the mischief. You're just sorry for the consequences. But you're not really sorry. It's not godly sorrow. And so the best place to repent is in the realm of the spirit. Because when you repent in the realm of the spirit, your sins are truly blotted out. You become converted. You begin to get transformed. And then the presence of the refreshing of the Lord just comes upon you. Y'all yeah. listen to me with your spirit. So we need to practice the power of the presence of Jesus. We must do that in everything we do. People said, you know, let's practice the presence of the Lord. No, let's practice the power of his presence. There's power in his presence. There's power available in his presence. Whew. 
I met a guy the other day. I told the Bible students this. And uh, I was talking to him. I was really getting frustrated with him because he was talking a bunch of junk. And I just, I'm just, he's standing in my, my truck. My truck's running. I'm just trying to get away. <laughs> I just, I'm tired of hearing just a bunch of nonsense. And then he stops and he looks at me and he says, you are a strong preacher. And he got my attention. He said, I've been in your service. He said, your message is strong. He said, you almost got me one day. I'm thinking, almost got him. <laughs> he said, yeah, you pulled me out of a chair. And he said, you almost, no, he said, I did pull him out of a chair. So, it, you know, I'm thinking I went like this because I'll do that, you know. But I said, I pulled you out of the chair. What are you saying? He said, you gave an altar call, and your altar calls are powerful. And he said, when you gave that altar call, you lifted me up out of the chair. And I took, he like took a step. And basically what he was telling me, you almost persuaded me. I'd like to fix an error in uh, Bible school the other day. I said, Felix is Festus. King Agrippa told Paul the same thing. Paul was preaching to him. And he said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. In other words, his heart was leaping towards Jesus because the Holy Spirit was pulling him. And he said, no. He resisted the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Father was trying to get him to Jesus that he could be supernaturally saved. The realm of the Spirit. We need the realm of the Spirit because oftentimes what we see, we think it's God and it may not be. You have to be in the realm of the Spirit to perceive things correctly. You remember when Paul was preaching and this slave girl, she was possessed by the devil. I'm sure she looked nice. She probably dressed nice. She sold a bunch of little trinkets for her masters, made them plenty of money. And she would just go behind Paul and, and, and his crew and say, these guys are mighty men and women. Uh, and servants of the Most High, and they explain the way of salvation. She said that day after day. These are servants of Almighty God, and they explain the way of salvation over and over and over and over. And the Bible says one day Paul looked at her and said, Come out of her in the name of the, Je in the, name of the Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so if he wasn't in the spirit realm, it all sounded right, but nothing about it was right. But he was in the spirit realm. So he shut that devil up. And you know what? The flesh loves that, mighty men of God. They preach the way, the truth, and the life. Who wouldn't like? I mean, come on. Butter up the flesh a little bit. But he was in the spirit realm. He wasn't in the flesh. I remember years ago, I laid hands on a, this lady was beautiful. She was an older lady, dressed really nice. She looked wealthy. I laid hands on her. She fell out right there. Her head was right there. And uh, I knew something was going on. And I went up to her in such a gentle way. And I said, ma'am, have you received Jesus yet? And she said, I ain't receiving Jesus. <laughs> it all looked good to me. <clears throat> and you know, normally what I do, I go for that demon. It's coming out. But the Lord said, let her alone. And the Lord told me, 
the lady was sitting right here. She brought her here. I said, no, this lady was in her car, and she picked up this lady that's in our church. I said, I told people in church, I said, y'all put her in the car and send her home. And I told that lady, don't go with you. You don't go with her. The lady didn't get up for some time. Matter of fact, she stayed on the floor most of the service. And at the end of the service, this is what was going on with a bunch of my leaders. I don't think they're here today, so I'm not accusing anybody. People would come like this and say, come out! Come out! <laughs> I mean, everybody was doing their little jig, but there was nobody in the spirit. Nobody was in the spirit. They were only doing what they saw people do. But the Lord showed me she was not ready. And I know that sounds crazy. I don't think Jesus would have put up with that. But I felt in my spirit she did not want to, she did not want to change. So I said, put her in the car and let her go. That lady got in the car with her, went to her house, spent a couple of hours with her, came back next church service. She was a wreck, totally a wreck confused, and I told her what not to do. Y'all understand, we can, we can prevent a lot of lateral damage <laughs> if we stay in the realm of the Spirit. And this is good not only in our church services, but this is good wherever you are. I was thinking about it. Man, I love... <laughs> You know, we do praise and worship for a couple of different reasons. First of all, we worship the Lord because we love him. We, you know, we want to reverence him. And I know many of you at home, y'all might play some music, you know, soothing music. And really, y'all know why we do that? Because we're so distracted. And we can't forget some things. So we just kind of get caught up in some music, which is okay. It's legal. That's all good. But to tell you the truth, I don't need music. I don't listen to a whole lot of music. My point is today is the quickest way to get in the spirit is get quiet. Use music if you have to, just to get in the place to forget and not be distracted, kind of create an atmosphere, really not for the presence of God, because music, none of us play it good enough for him to come. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> we won't know real music till we get in heaven. But we do it to change the atmosphere, get us in a place that we could get focused. That's what it's all about. That's why we do praise and worship here. So we can get in an atmosphere so we can totally focus our eyes on Jesus and he becomes so real to us, we just get lost. Isn't that, isn't that good? So, no, I mean, music's good. But personally, I don't need music. Matter of fact, when you get in the face of God, you don't need nothing on this earth. You don't need a CD. You don't need a musician. And I mean, there's musicians in the Old Testament. When Saul, God was calling Saul. And the prophet said, listen, there's going to be a bunch of singers coming. They're going to prophesy. And they got all kinds of guitars and stuff. And when they start playing, the anointing's going to come on you. And you're going to become another man. <laughs> but you become another man not because of what people are doing. It's because you get in the spirit realm. And all of a sudden, you are hearing and seeing things that are not natural. Come on, somebody. Is this okay? Yeah. Anybody got a problem with this? Anybody got anything to say about this? 
Okay, I'm going to read Psalm 80. Just to reiterate what God is doing for us. He always initiates things. So you can kind of take a break. Trust the spirit more than yourself. Trust the spirit more than your talent. You know, sometimes we, we'll wear ourselves trying, we'll wear out ourselves trying to get prayed up. Anybody ever do that? Just wear yourself out. There's people wearing themselves out just quoting scripture. <laughs> but if it doesn't have the life of the spirit in you, in it, it's just dead. You're just saying words. So the Lord actually has to give you the word. It has to have life. It can't just be a letter. That's why I told the Bible school, when I'm studying the Bible, I just read a scripture and I stare at it. I just keep staring at it. I, I'm reading it, but I'm staring at it. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the realm of God. And I just keep staring at it. I keep staring. Because I, I want it to go beyond the print. I want it to go beyond what I saw you know, three years ago in my little notes, footnotes on the side of it. I know, I know what God has in that scripture goes beyond my little footnotes and what some preacher preached. I know that. It's all good. I've got a lot, but Lord, there's something else. This is your word. And the word that came to me the other day was Jesus when he was talking to the Jews that believed. Now, Jesus knew who believed. Sometimes I don't know. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I'm not judging, but I wonder sometimes if people really believe. Because we'll have somebody pray a prayer, and I've done it. But I think what we need to start doing here is that when somebody prays a prayer, we should go over it. Do you realize what you did? Do you understand what you just did? Not really. Well, let me tell you, when you confess Jesus as Lord, this is what you believe in. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? That means you believe he lived. That means you believe he was the son of the living God. That means you believe that he laid down his only life, that he would shed his blood for our sins. And he got up, he died, and we reckon ourselves dead with him. Do you understand what you're doing? Do you understand what you're getting into? You're believing that Jesus died. So if one man died, we all die. And if you believe you died with him, you are with him in the death, in the burial, in the grave. And that's the old nature. And it's dealt with. But Jesus got up. And because he got up in newness of life, you can get up also in the power of the resurrection. That's available to you. Do you understand that? And now the blood that you have received, it's the new covenant, an everlasting covenant that covers all of your sins. So in the eyes of the Father, you have no sin, no more condemnation, no more shame, no more guilt. It's over. It's covered by the blood. Do you understand that? I never saw it like that. That's what we need to do for people. And you know what? Three weeks down the road, enemy comes, things start to get stirred up, we might have to remind them. But I have found, I don't know, and it's by the grace of God. I just decided I counted the cost when I got saved. I really did. 
Because, you know, there were people that got saved before me, like Leslie, and we talked about y'all. Y'all nuts. <laughs> I talked about my wife. I knew. I, I mean, I was the one that would mock them all. You weak thing. You need something like that. You need some Jesus. You ain't got nothing going. You poor as an ant. And you don't have what I have, you know. And so when I got saved, I realized mm, they're going to talk about me like I talked about them. <laughs> and so I was counting the cost of what I was going to confront and all the challenges that I would confront. And I had to deal with my past. And I had to deal with the people that I hurt and I misused. And I, I counted the cost and said, Lord, I'm going with you. You started this thing. That's the way I put it. You started it. <laughs> huh. <laughs> you, the Lord starts it all. He starts it all. And so any place he's bringing you to, he led you there. If you're in the realm of the spirit, he can lead you to marry somebody and give you a witness on the inside. That's the right one. And so it's his fault. <laughs> and, and I think the Lord will lead you to the church you need to be in. It's not my fault you're here. <laughs> you understand he leads and he guides us can I keep going this is really good I had asked the students this Wednesday night to quote a scripture and I said own it let it be God's life in you and you know I had some students get up and you could just, it was a part of their life. Other ones were still reading it. It was just script. Nothing against y'all, but get it right. Get it. Own it. It's the life of God. And the scripture was uh, Acts 10, 38. How God. See, there it is right there. How God. <laughs> Not how you. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And how Jesus or Butch LeBeau went about or going about doing good and healing all of those that are oppressed by the devil for God is with Butch LeBeau. And so the anointing is the life of God on you. It's God himself with you. That's what the anointing is. We can call it a substance and we can call it a smearing of the miraculous, but it's actually you yoking up with the Lord working together. Somebody say that's good. In, in, uh, in Psalms, my favorite scripture, my whole verse uh, vision in the Bible is Colossians 1, 25 through 29. And it, Paul said, it's him we preach, Jesus we preach, warning every man, teaching all men and all wisdom and presenting all men perfect. And then Paul says, I do this according to the mighty one. Or he says, I labor in this according to the mighty one working mightily in me. And so it's the Spirit of God working in us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above. All you can ask or pray or think or conjure up on your own because the Holy Spirit is working in you. There it is again. If you want to live the exceeding life, the abundant life, the more life, it all comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. This should take the yoke of religion and the yoke of work and labor off of us. It shouldn't be hard to fast. <laughs> the benefits of fasting are amazing. It should not be hard to fast. 
People say, well, should God call you to fast? Probably. You should feel a witness on it. Well, I need to fast. I need to do this. It shouldn't be hard to fast. shouldn't be hard to witness. It shouldn't be hard to witness. We're walking in the realm of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost that brought me to Jesus, he wants to bring everybody to the Son, the Son of the living. It shouldn't be hard to witness. It should be so simple. It should be such a flow. It shouldn't be hard to prophesy or have a word of wisdom. None of this should be hard. It shouldn't be hard coming to church. <laughs> it shouldn't be hard giving you testimony. Nothing in the kingdom should be that hard. You know what should be hard? If you got nails in your hands and nails in your feet and a crown on your head and you never did anything wrong. That's hard. <laughs> but Jesus has us covered. To be a martyr shouldn't be hard. I'm not a martyr. <laughs> but you know what? People died for Jesus, and it wasn't even hard for them. I, I mean, I know there probably was some rattling in the flesh, but they just gave up the ghosts. Y'all realize in the, in the first 30 years of the New Testament that there was a word going around that somebody stole Jesus' body. And they were beginning to make up things because they knew they couldn't, they could not. It's history talks about the witnesses that were at the tomb of Jesus Christ. And there's also 500 plus witnesses that were there when he rose from the dead and started to preach. And so there were people going around trying to cover up this resurrection thing, trying to say it didn't happen. I'm telling you, it happened. History says it happened. <laughs> I know it happened and I wasn't there. And you know what Thomas said? I ain't going to believe it until I put my finger in his hands and in his side. And Jesus came through the door and said, there it is. And he put it and he said, my, my God, my Lord and my God. That right there tells you Jesus is God. He is Lord, King of the universe, sovereign. <laughs> and then he tells uh, Thomas, you know, you're blessed because you see me, but blessed are those have, that have not seen me. I wasn't there, but I've seen it. I, I tell you, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, but man, in my spirit, I know Jesus lived for me. I know Jesus died for me. I know Jesus took everything in his body and they ripped his back open for me. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And for anybody to think that men would go preach a gospel and lie about a man not rise from the dead, raised from the dead, and give their lives for a man that didn't get up, they accuse them as you lying. They're giving their lives. <laughs> They're dying because the power of the resurrection gave them life. This is what's keeping them going. This is more important to them than their own lives. Jesus and his life given to them is more important than their own lives. Golly, golly. <laughs> Jesus needs to become more real. I have found this as a pastor, that if people are wrapped up in their troubles and their ailments and their pain and their needs, the Lord can't even get to them. Until Jesus becomes more real to you than your situation, your circumstance, your problem, your need, and your past, if it doesn't get there, and that comes in the realm of the Spirit, 
If it doesn't get there, you'll always be stuck. Y'all got that? The moment the Lord becomes everything, everything else begins to fade. <laughs> this is really good. Fresh anointing. Everybody say fresh anointing. You know, people are asking God to do things for them. I do. And all he wants us to do is to surrender to him first. And we wonder why he's not doing what we ask, because we're not surrendered. <laughs> Come on. And, and God's up there like, you know what? You want me to just give what you asking me to do for you, and you hadn't even given your life for me yet? Now, you know he has mercy. I would stop right there. I wouldn't give you nothing. But there is mercy. But most of the time, we are wanting something from God, and he just wants us to completely surrender. That's all he wants. Because once we completely surrender, he uses us like his own vessel, which we are. We become his own eyes, his own hands, his own feet. We become his mind, his will. We become everything to him that he can work through us. Somebody say that was good. Anybody ever hear the term ask, seek, and knock? Mm -hmm. Well, you got to be in the spirit realm. The flesh ain't going to get nothing. Well, I've been asking and I don't know where God is. No, you're in the spirit realm. The Bible says this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he heard us. And because we know he heard us, we have the petitions that we asked for. So how do you know he heard you? How do you know he heard you? Because you're in the spirit. <laughs> you understand? If you're in the spirit, you know he heard you. You know you were in the face of the Lord. You know he was there for you. You know you prayed his will. You know there's a result coming. So you walk out in total peace and confidence. This is good. All right, y'all know this scripture, but listen to this. I waited patiently for the Lord. My whole message is, is we have to practice waiting. And believe it or not, that will be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. Because there ain't nobody want to wait. Ain't nobody waiting in the line at McDonald's. That's why we got microwave stoves, ovens. Because nobody likes to wait, especially Americans. We don't want to, I mean, we got iPhones. We get the new updated one every year. So God forbid, you know, you're on your Facebook right here and, you know, you can't talk to the people you want, you know, because we make it real slow. I'm just kidding. In church. But you understand, it's always hurry up. It's, we already talked about this before. It's always in church. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. See, when you wait, you get encouraged. When you wait, you get strengthened. That makes no sense to the natural, but try it. You'll like it. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he had climbed unto me. In other words, he started to talk. He saw my heart, and he heard my cry. He brought me up, listen to this, also out of a horrible pit. I'm telling you, when you wait on the Lord and he comes, all of a sudden you get released from things. You get out the pit of despair. You get out the pit of pain. You get out the pit of offense. You just get out of this miry, funky stuff 
because the Lord himself has come. Anybody getting anything out of that? And then he sets your feet on the rock and then you are established. And then it says a new song comes in your mouth. You ever get around those people been with the Lord? They just got, they just got a skip in their step and a melody in their heart and they're just happy. Even the disciples got thrown in jail and they were being ridiculed and the educated people were saying they are uneducated. They are untrained, but they have been with Jesus. You can tell people that's been with Jesus and you can tell people that's been stuck on themselves. You can tell people that's been with Jesus. <laughs> and if I look at you long enough, I'll be able to tell if you've been there. <laughs> you know, if you're going through something, get with Jesus. And you'll go through it. He put a new song in my heart. Wait, Psalm 46, be still. Oh, my God. Be still. What does that mean? Be quiet. <laughs> Listen to this scripture. We all crow. Be still and know your God. We, we, be still and know that I am God. Well, if you don't be still, you'll never know who God is because he wants to present himself to you. He wants to present himself to you as God Almighty, but he can't do it unless we get still. Boy, that's good. The Lord, what he actually does, and I'm telling you, it usually has nothing to do with what we're doing. He quickens us. He just quickens us. I don't know what the trigger is. And you know, as Bible people and pastors and teachers, we're all, always trying to find out what, what gets the Lord's attention because everybody wants that. Just know that he's, Lord, he's the Lord. Just get before him and be still. I promise you, he'll quicken you. He'll just quicken you. Jesus was dead in the grave. Couldn't say nothing. Couldn't move. Lifeless. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit quickened his body. I don't care where you are and how bad it is. The Holy Spirit can quicken you. I mean, just in a... Listen, I've rolled a few people off. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know what? They ain't going to make it. And then all of a sudden, God quickens them. I'm like, who am I? You know what I mean? Don't you look at me like all disgusted because I wrote somebody off. You wrote most of your family off. You wrote some of your close friends off. I'm telling you, God can quicken people and revive them and they can change overnight and they can outrun you in the Holy Ghost if you don't get your eyes back on Jesus. Yes. Isaiah 40, 30, you know this scripture. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. You know what that tells me? It ain't about natural strength. Even the best the ones that work out, the ones that got the biceps, the one that had the respiratory system, the one that got the beef and looked like a hunk, they will fail. But listen to this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This is so simple, the enemy wants us to miss it. He'd rather you work and strive and push 
and complain and wear yourself out rather than just sitting in the presence of God and just wait, just wait. I know what the Lord does when you wait right. And the word wait really means to braid like a rope. A three-strand cord is not easily broken. So as you wait, if you wait right, you get stronger. You don't get discouraged. People are like, I don't know, ain't God going to do nothing. You ain't waiting right. You're not ready to meet my God. You just want what you want, when you want it, the way you want it. And listen, we're not waiting to get a need supplied. We're waiting on the Lord. Oh, my God. I mean, mean, if I show up, that's one thing. But if the Lord shows up in the presence of his power, you are going to benefit from it. Elijah was in a cave. All of a sudden, the earth rocked, but God wasn't in it. And all of a sudden, the wind blew and the rocks moved again, and God wasn't in it. And all of a sudden, the rocks caught on fire. This is stupendous. Is that a word? This is like... Wow, look at all this stuff going on here. Rocks are on fire. Mother, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, where's God? He ain't in none of that. You know, God ain't in noise. Sometimes if we make enough noise, scream loud enough, play loud enough, we think God's coming. No, he just wants you to get still sometimes. I mean, all what we do is good. We're going to do a lot of this. But what I'm saying, listen, it's dangerous to just come to this church, and I'm telling you, we get you in the presence of God. Come on, any, 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 we get you in the presence of God. But it's very dangerous if it's going to take a service for you to get in the presence of God. And then you've got to run all over the place to some new thing to get in the presence of God. It's very dangerous. You ought to be able to get in the presence of God at your home with your family. And if you can't do it there, this ain't going to last because you are to bring that into your household. And when you bring the presence of the Lord in your household and you wait on the Lord and you meet with the Lord, your marriage is going to be right. I don't care what you're doing on the outskirts. I don't care how good you preach and how good you witness. If you're not getting in the face of the Lord, it's going to be a struggle in every facet of your life. You wait on the Lord. Listen to what it says. Wait on the Lord. And you, your strength shall be renewed. And you shall what? (laughs) you're not going to stay down. You're going to mount up. Mount up what? In the spirit realm. You're going to begin to see things. You you are like the eye of the eagle. You see the whole picture. You see the beginning. You see the end. You see the hand of God in everything. You're not lost. You're not going without. God's not far away because you're in the spirit. And I know we look a little fanatical in the spirit sometimes because I'm in the spirit right now. (laughs) and your words are anointed. And when you speak, your words are far reaching and they go into people's hearts and things begin to change. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, learn to practice the presence of the power of God in your weight. Well, Pastor, I need to counsel with you this week. Did you wait on the Lord today? Because I ain't meeting with you. Meet with the Lord. You'll wait out in that foyer for an hour till I can get to you. But you won't wait on the Lord. I mean, I'm telling you, I know people that would not go away. I'm hiding in my office like, man, when are they leaving? I'm wanting to get away from them. They're wanting to get with me. And I'm like, and they won't even wait on the Lord. 
And he'll do you a lot better than me. He ain't trying to run from you. He's trying to run to you. <laughs> I'm getting close. There was a pattern in the Old Testament. I used to have the whole chart. I had all the images and everything. I don't know what happened to it, but the Lord put it in my spirit. He gave Moses a plan for the tabernacle in the wilderness, and it was seven steps into the Holy of Holies. And we don't realize it, but when we begin to wait on the Lord, we're actually going through those stages. And don't get religious and try to practice every stage and then, you know, just don't do that. Just know this is what's happening. First of all, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. For I will joy since he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. <laughs> and so the first thing you do, you got to come out of the flesh and enter a courts. And when you enter the courts, Jesus is real. Like when we start praise and worship prayerfully, when you enter the courts of praise, you know that Jesus is real. This is why we're doing this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is real to you. And the next thing you come to is the sacrifice. It's the altar of sacrifice. So the next thing we come to when we know that Jesus is real is we come to the cross and we experience the power and the effectiveness of the blood that he shed. And it's like, oh, my God, you gave your life for my life. My sins are covered. My condemnation, guilt, and shame has been dealt with. Listen to this. The penalty, the punishment, and the power, and the pollution of sin has been ripped off of me. Yeah. And one day, I'm going to be out of the presence of this dirty world. But until then. <laughs> I'm going to keep trusting the Lord. And then once we come past the, sac the altar of sacrifice, we get to the labor. It's a place of cleansing. It's the word. And so the, Jesus is real. The blood is real. And then the labor, the word becomes real to you, personal to you. And then we go to the lampstand. And the lampstand is a type of the renewing of the mind. It's no longer my will, Lord. See the, see the uh, progression? It's no longer my will, Lord. And he's just, it's the Lord just taking you to himself. It's no longer your will, Lord. It's my will. And then we get to the sh place of uh, showbread. And the table of showbread is actually, at that point, you just give your whole self, your body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 2, I'm a living sacrifice to you. This vessel is your vessel. Who I am is yours. You're my possession. Here I am. See the, see the progression? And then the next stage is the altar of incense. This is the place of real, intimate union and oneness in worship. 
you just get lost. It's like, oh my God, every fiber, everything in my being just adores you and worships you. Without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I'm just a man of dirt. Without you, I have no eternal value. Without you, I'm damned to hell. Without you, I have no purpose on this earth. Without you, Lord, your grace. And when you're in that place of word, see the progression? Next stage is the holy of holies. You just slip behind the veil. And his voice speaks. His voice speaks. He talks to you. He, God Almighty, speaks to you. Imagine going through that and entering in that place. It's the secret place. That's the kingdom. That's the place that you cannot be shaken. Ain't nobody can take nothing from you. You invincible. You under the shadow of the almighty. He becomes your refuge and your tower. He becomes everything in your life. And there could be a thousand falling at your side, 10,000 at your right side, but nothing comes near you. Sickness can't stay on you. Oppression can't get to you because you in this kingdom that's unshakable and you become a person that's not shaken by any matter on this earth anymore. And you come out and I heard stories about Catherine Kuhlman when she came out of those places because she had a way of living there. She wouldn't have to say nothing. We'd have to do less and say less if we'd go there more. Don't have to. She'd come out on the stage and people would just come out of wheelchairs. She'd walk in factories and people would just hit the ground and start crying and repenting. Because when you get to that place, and listen, I don't always get there. That's part of my message today. It, we need to visit that place more frequently. We need to, and it's not a pressing or grunting and a groaning and a crawling on glass and hurting yourself to sacrifice for G. You don't need to sacrifice nothing. You just need to empty yourself and just wait. And when you come out, I know this. That's why I am the way I am today, because I came out of it. This is what happens. Your touch became, becomes his touch. Your walk becomes his walk. Your vessel becomes his vessel. Your presence becomes his presence. Your eyes become his eyes. Your hands become his hands. It's, it's a mingling. It's a joining of oneness. That's the anointing. Just be still and meet your God. Isn't that powerful? Just lift your hands up where you are right now. This will change your life. If you didn't hear me spiritually speaking, you didn't hear me. You have to want this. You have to want that place. You just need to say yes in your heart. 
And you need to learn how to be still. You'll be a better minister. You'll be a better mama. I don't have time. Well, it's just not going to get good. Things are going to stay the same. I don't have a quiet place. You'll be surprised. I walk out in my woods. I get behind a hose pipe. I just find a place of serenity and some a tranquil place. You can be on your face. You can be standing up. You can be sitting in a chair, but you just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. And I'm telling you, in this place, you need nothing. You don't need money. You don't need another friend. You don't need a vacation. You are just about to get and meet the Lord. And he will have everything you need in himself. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that we stand in the power and sit in the power of your presence. Doing praise and worship, I just had this vision, and I see it happening right now. I remember when Joseph and I, that's perfect, just a little hush a real calm hush on the piano. I remember when Joseph and I were fishing and all of a sudden this water spout was beginning to stir and it was sucking water out of this lake and it was going up into the sky. It was beautiful, but it was scary. And uh, we just sat there and watched it because I knew I could probably outrun it in my boat. And so I just watched that water spout, the power, the lifting power of that hot air, that convection, pulling that water. It probably was pulling fish up too. It was pulling everything up that was below it. And I feel like that's what's happening here right now. The Lord is pulling you up by his presence, by the power of his presence. He's pulling you up into a spiritual realm that you can experience today in this service. What's available for you and to you all of the time, all of the time. You will never fight with your spouse. You will raise your children and treat them correctly. You will always have an identity. You will never serve man in a, in a appeasing and that you have to be popular with people. When you meet God, everything else falls below. Now, I don't care what relationships you have in this world. When you meet the creator, almighty God, and the power of his presence, there's nothing. Taste and see that the Lord is there. There's nothing else like that. There's nothing else. There's more medication in that experience. There's more wisdom that could be downloaded to you in that short time with the Lord. I'm telling you, a few minutes in the Holy of Holies, will be years of experience and knowledge trying to, trying to gather up knowledge in this world. Just a, a few minutes in the presence of God. Come in. Come in. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come. Just come. Come. Just come in his presence. Come in his presence. There's healing. Come in his presence. Come in his there's contentment. Come in his presence. No fear. No fear. No doubt, no unbelief, no recklessness. This is just clean. The holy of holies. 
I'm telling you, in this place, wow. In the waiting, you get encouraged. You become as bold as a lion. Boldness comes on you. It's not being loud. It's not being abrasive. Just this Holy Ghost confidence. I know who I am. I know who my God is. And I know what I'm called to do. Just this holy boldness comes upon you. The Bible says the wicked flee and nobody pursues them. That's the flesh. People running from things that are not even real. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Come on, receive some of that boldness. It's what the church needs. It's what the community needs. It's full of, this boldness is full of wisdom. This boldness is full of the power of God and the counsel of God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Well, there's people right now being healed in that place. In the place that you're in, in his presence, you're being healed right now. God's dealing with your heart. good. I mean, you know, in the natural, in the spirit, you look real good. <laughs> the scripture the pastor shared was Psalm 4610. In the Passion Translation, it says, surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. You better <laughs> read that again. <laughs> Surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. And I'll serve as the Lord's just been showing to me why and how. And the, the preachers always say, and pastor just said, you know, it's, it's available for you. The, the power of God is available for you. Um, you know, just be still and wait on the Lord to see what is available to you. And I've always heard that as such a spiritual thing that is not able to be sensed with your senses. But when you get in the spirit realm and you're still and you know that he is God, you get to see it. And the reason you can stop your striving is because it's all finished. As I'm still and I wait on the Lord, I see him holding my babies. They're already there. And when I'm in the spirit realm, they're mine. The only difference is they're not here in the flesh realm yet. The visions and the dreams that God has given you, they're already available. They're already yours. They're already there. They're already done. When you're in the spirit realm, you walk in your ministry. You, everything that God has put in your heart, it's done and it's yours. All, all it takes is just for it to come to pass and pass over into the fleshly realm. And it will, like Pastor said, your hand is his hand. Your feet are his feet. Your words are his words when you connect the spirit realm to the flesh realm. So the reason we can stop our strivings, it's not a, it's not a will to stop. It's not a decision to stop our strivings. It's because it, we see that it's already done and we can rest. And our anxieties are null and void because everything is already finished. Amen. <laughs> It's the confidence that you have. It's finished. You're satisfied and content.
wasn't this good? I'm working my way out of a job. I don't have job security anymore. I mean, I'm here. I'll do my part. I'm a ministry gift to the body of Christ to equip and train. And, uh, equip and train. But uh, our source, you go to the source. And it all comes. People will wait in the doctor's office for hours. People will wait on their car being prepared for hours. I go to these grandchildren plays. I got to watch all these other kids.